0: Welcome to the Skin Philosophy Edit with your host, myself, Anna-Louise Kenny. I'm here to bring to you the knowledge and skills to level up your business. We are speaking to industry experts across the industry to make sure that you're getting your knowledge in skincare, equipment, ingredients, and everything else you need to make sure you have the best of your business. Hello and welcome back to this Skin Philosophy Edit. I'm Anna-Louise Kenny and here with me today is Emma, registered nutritionist and specializing in menopause. So welcome Emma, thank you so much for coming in. It's so nice to have you. Thank you so much for having me. So uh, obviously at the moment nutrition is a huge talked about industry, like there's a lot of stuff coming out on Instagram, there's a lot of Exploring at the moment about how nutrition affects our body in that, and I love it all. But the reason why I wanted to get you on to talk to us about is because you specialise in helping with menopause through nutrition and other aspects. So, how did you get into that side of things? Yeah, good question. So, a while so before
1: previously, I actually worked in advertising, um, and I got made redundant. And I just had uh, two kids and basically it wasn't really working for me anyway. So it was kind of like the impetus, I guess, that I needed to retrain. And I had been doing quite a few nutrition courses since I was probably, I don't know, 25, 30. So I got major redundant when I was uh, in my late 30s. Um, And I just decided that that was the time that I was going to do it properly, you know, retrain, get a registration, get accredited. Um, so I did a three year course uh, and along the way I guess I started to realize that I was going through perimenopause myself. Oh wow. Yeah, wow. but and I wasn't getting the help that I needed from my GP and I ended up doing a ton of research and you probably have heard this before. You know, yeah. 10 years ago it, it just w- it isn't like it its not like its now. You know, everybody's talking about menopause, aren't they?
0: Yeah, well, at the moment, it's a hot topic. It's hot. <laughs> you
1: cannot open a, you know, a, a newspaper yeah. without seeing kind of some kind of splashy menopause headline. So I, but yeah, so I was 42. So that's almost a decade ago. And I realized there was this huge gap. I'd done all this research. I was going through it myself. And I think what happens is you kind of attract a similar you know you attract a certain type of client and I seem to be attracting that type of client
0: so that's why I decided to niche in that area okay and so what were what were you noticed because I'm a fast approach in that age as well and it freaks me out <laughs> the thought like honestly Don't this freak out. yeah I know the g- like I think my thing is getting shorter and all of that kind of stuff but like Going into perimenopause, what were the signs? What what was coming up for you that you started to go, okay, something's up?
1: Yeah, well I mean, it I think for lots of women, particularly in their early forties, it's not on their radar. Mm. You know, and uh, perimenopause, which is the bit that I'm really interested in, which is that lead up to menopause. I mean yeah. menopause is just literally the last uh, you know, the last your last the last day of your last period ever. Yeah. And perimenopause is that lead up and it can last what 10, 12 years yeah. sometimes not always yeah but and you know it can be quite gradual at the beginning and then it can really kind of uh, ebb and flow and it really kind of fluctuates um, So I think a lot of women if they're late 30s, early 40s it's not it's not something that they're thinking about mm. and so it's not really something that they are aware of yeah um, but the things that I noticed first of all were insomnia okay. and the psychological symptoms. So people always talk about hot flushes and night sweats, don't yeah. they? That's the kind of poster symptom that everyone knows. Yeah. Um, but actually, I think it's the psychological symptoms that are s- almost kind of more insidious. Yeah,
0: like the forgetfulness. Yeah. The forgetfulness is terrible. Yeah. I see people going through that. And yesterday I walked up the stairs twice and I forgot what I was doing and I was like, Oh, God, it's starting to like stuff like that, because you can't quantify. So you either think I'm losing it yeah. or and obviously like GPs, you go to GP and say, I'm forgetting stuff. They're like, mm, th- that's um. your age. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's exactly. cosmetic. It's fine. You you know, it's not. So the forgetfulness and f- any other anything else that other people would start to notice.
1: Yeah. So anxiety. Yeah. You know, loss of confidence. So I talk to lots of women who are really at the top of the game in terms of their careers and suddenly they're not able to do the things that they could do, okay. you know, without thinking twice about it anymore. Yeah. Um, there are those kind of vasomotor symptoms, so kind of night flush, uh, hot, hot flushes yeah. and night sweats, things like that. Sometimes cold flushes too. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, changes in skin. Yeah. Changes in like vaginal dryness, things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weight gain around the middle. yeah. Oh God! Yeah, <laughs> I mean the list is long, right? Yeah. The list is something like there's a 34 official symptoms. I'd say there's probably more. Th- I'd say probably double. Yeah. in reality. Yeah. Um, but like you say, it's really hard to kind of untangle what is just stress. Yeah. What is getting slightly older? You know, what yeah. is juggling maybe kids or elderly parents or yeah. you know a kind of high flying career? It's really hard to know what's hormonal and what's just life
0: yeah and so then you start to notice it for yourself and then your clients started coming in you were noticing that it was a lot with them so where did you go from there to kind of develop like that knowledge to start researching into it?
1: great question I mean I never stop yeah so I did that three-year nutrition course but then I am constantly doing CPD yeah. It, never,
0: ever, it never ends. You see, that's the thing. This is what I try and teach the students because sometimes people go, How do you know so much? And I s- like every little thing you hear a client say, you take it and you go, Okay, where is that coming from? Break it down, try and, like, and refer it to something and connect it up. And if you're doing that, you can actually. From seeing like loads and loads and loads of clients, you can start to build your own little case studies that you kind of go, okay, I can see this continually happening. And it is a great way to like constantly be analysing the clients, not just at the very front, but in in depth. Uh,
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's not always stuff that you can necessarily learn in a book. Yes, that's that's super important, obviously. You know, and I am very evidence based, as I'm sure you are, too. But sometimes it's actually like you say, it's it's kind of learning when you're face to face in front of a woman
0: yeah yeah exactly exactly so when you have these women coming in and then they're talking to you and they're thinking about going on HRT and obviously HRT is amazing for some people and for some people it is a bit of a struggle so what do you have to kind of assist like what advice do you kind of give for as to assist with it or instead of it or yeah you're right HRT is getting
1: a lot of airtime right now yeah. so we were just talking previously you know it's yeah. kind of the pendulum has swung we were terrified of it after the women's health Health initiative study which was 2002 and everyone came off it you know and it yeah. was like nobody wanted to touch it now it's getting I don't know why but I think there are certain um doctors maybe in the media who are really kind of pushing it and I think a lot of women are thinking Christ I've got this really bad FOMO I feel like if I'm not on HRT something awful is going to happen to me in terms of long-term health risks yeah now I actually think HRT is brilliant but it's not for everybody and I know lots of women who have tried it and it just doesn't work for them or they've tried it and it's like yeah it's okay but it's not everything yeah. So my kind of argument is always that actually nutrition and lifestyle, so things like exercise yeah. and sleep and all of those kind of pillars, yeah, they really need to be the foundations that you get right first, yeah. and then you kind of layer on top of
0: it. Yeah, okay, let's go into that kind of stuff, because I was listening to another podcast about the whole sleep thing, mm. and I've, it's fascinating, it's fascinating. Yeah. how. So how does that affect menopause? You mean
1: how does sleep affect? Yeah. So... We've got these. You you will know this, but oestrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and what happens is that during perimenopause, the first hormone quite often to start to deplete is progesterone, okay. and progesterone is used to create this neurotransmitter called GABA, which is our kind of calming, soothing, you know, feelings of contentment, and also helps us to sleep. Okay. So it's when those the level of proge- uh, progesterone starts to drop that we can find that we you know start to get insomnia or Mm. we wake up at three but of course on top of that if you know that you are you know you've got this kind of hormonal chaos going on and you're dealing with lots of other stuff in life which we all are yeah then of course you know that can impact too so I think there's a lot of women waking up I I, I tend to find that women fall asleep brilliantly but they are waking up at three and catastrophizing (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know, I hate that. You know, when you wake up and you're like, you cannot go to sleep and your brain is just yeah. going and going, oh, my God, it's it's terrible how you can spin out of control during those
1: hours. It's always when you've got something I find quite important to do the next day, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So I've just actually talked to this sleep consultant, you know, all about CBTI, which is uh, cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. So it's a okay. specific way that you can almost like retrain your brain deal with that catastrophizing you know in the middle of the night so it gives you lots of tools and strategies okay but I think there's also you know lots to be said for exercising yeah. a lot of us when we start to hit perimenopause can become because we see p- changes in body shape because yeah. we might have pelvic floor issues yeah. because we're knackered Yeah, a lot of us aren't moving as much as we were previously yeah, you know, so it's about getting outside, making sure that you are physically tiring your body so that you are ready for sleep. Yeah, I think a lot of women are really kind of relying on caffeine and alcohol as a crutch. <laughs> you know,
0: yes, <laughs> am I speaking your yeah. language? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, and obviously, that
1: doesn't help either.
0: Yeah, yeah, because there is a thing I- that podcast that I was listening to. They were like, you know, there, there's so many different elements that. Uh, affect um our sleep but the biggest thing is to not stay lying there yes and you like literally <laughs> so when lockdown happened i i i've always slept amazingly always when lockdown happened i would wake at two thirty, and not go back to sleep for the rest of the day oh. night like just not yeah. and this was happening f- every single night for i think two weeks or something like that but as long as my body didn't associate bed with not sleeping then it was fine so I would get up I would go do some work watch TV whatever but like once I kept my brain that bed was for sleeping, then it was much better habits. So then I could get back into sleeping yes. properly afterwards. Because
1: once you start that association, that's when you get those long term, you know, six months, a year of, of proper full blown insomnia. Yeah. Which is yeah. an absolute nightmare.
0: Yeah. It's horrible. It's yeah. And so you back on track now? Oh, grand. Like okay, I great. haven't I, like it was literally... The first two weeks, and then that was it. It was fine. I've, I've yeah, I think, I think, w- like w- with a lot of people that were self employed at that time, had their own business and they had to close it. Yeah. You know, it's just going I mean to be. There that. was a lot going on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. And, uh, you know, I, to, to sleep is uh, a lot about routine. And we talk about, you know, getting kids into like a wind down routine, don't yeah. we? We're quite, we're almost kind of fastidious about it with our kids, but we're not so good with yeah. ourselves. And I think lockdown was a great example of, you know, all routine went out the window. Yeah. And I think it had that knock-on impact.
0: Yeah. And how do you just out of curiosity? TVs in bedrooms. Oh, my God. It's a no-no exactly. for me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah because there is there is that thing of like the same thing get associating watching TV oh yeah no I could think of nothing worse yeah I know that's I know but then other people think we're crazy for that they're really? like how yeah could you no
1: a lot of people do don't yeah, they yeah. it's like the last thing they do yeah
0: yeah get into bed and watch. but TV. I tell you what I do
1: do and this is everything that I tell my clients not to do and that is I do have my phone in bed
0: yeah, peri- <laughs> yeah, I know, but you're like you can't, like, I what? Know. You're just that gonna last-minute like <laughs> scroll. <laughs> so, in regards with say menopause and nutrition, then, so what would you find would help with it? Like, um, perimenopausal is starting to kick in. You're, you've starting to get not so easy sleep. You're starting to get that body changes, mm. f- forgetfulness. What do you think is good habits to kick in nutrition-wise? Yeah, so there isn't
1: a menopause diet per se, yeah. but I think the thing that I tell most of my clients to do is just try and adopt a Mediterranean-style way of eating, yeah. which you will have heard about lots, you know. Yeah. Um, but essentially it is reducing... Ultra processed food. Yeah, it is lots of colour, lots of fibre, lots of plants. Yeah, some dairy, some meat. Yeah,
0: um,
1: but lots of whole grains, lots of legumes. Yeah, um, olive oils. You know, yeah. we need the healthy fats for our brain because our brain is sixty percent fat. Yeah. We need it for our skin too. We actually need it to make hormones. Hormones are actually made from fats. Um, really? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah,
1: that is the the sort of. Um, What's Like the substrate, like the thing that it's actually created from is cholesterol.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then that that actually brings up something else as well, which is another um, that I'm going to quiz you on. The omega-3 versus omega-6 ratio. Yeah. Is that true? Is it, do you, should you be? Such a good question. <laughs> it's, <laughs> such,
1: it's such a complicated one too. Um, it's getting, it's quite trendy now to be like, oh, you know, anti- Omega th- uh, six and like anti seed oils yeah. and and so definitely I think there's a certain school of thought that says that we consume far too many omega threes now than we d- used to, yeah. and that we should have a kind of one to one ratio and, okay. and then it's totally off and we you know we have lots of omega sixes and not so much omega three yeah and omega three is super important because it's anti inflammatory yeah um, so I think there is something in it. But I do think that there is this real kind of, um, everyone's vilifying seed oils, for example, like rapeseed oil. Yeah. And actually, rapeseed oil is, uh, you know, it is a source of omega-3 and 6. Yeah. But the issue with omega-6 is is that they are found in lots of ultra-processed foods. Yeah. And so, obviously, those are the things that we want to be kind of reducing or even, you know, emitting if we can. I think yeah. it's impossible fully but those are things that we really need to be working on yeah i don't think we need to be you know panicking about ratios or anything like that
0: yeah and it's that thing of jumping on okay we'll just look at seed oils rather than look at the actual processed foods that we're eating that will be like taking in the omega-6 and that because there, uh, there are some companies that are doing supplements and they're kind of going oh well you need this ratio we'll test you yeah we'll send it off to labs we'll come back and then we'll give you the amount of it right amount omega-3s that you should be having and i was just at the time when i was listening to i was wondering is it a bit gimmicky well i just think it's unnecessary there's a real tendency at the moment to hyper
1: focus yeah on certain ingredients or certain nutrients and that's one example and another one is uh, you know wearing a pr- continuous glucose monitor
0: so i was watching that on your thing as well oh yes okay. Yes, this is interesting,
1: yeah. And I think what's happening, though, is people are starting to be scared of food. Yeah. They're starting to get really fearful, which is just bonkers. And also, I think it's unnecessary, you know. It's unnecessary for the majority of people who've got a perfectly, uh, you know, efficiently working pancreas to be be worrying about their blood glucose levels to
0: that degree. So people are wearing them when they don't don't need to.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and so type type 1 diabetics are obviously kind of enraged by this because it's like, well, that's a lifeline for them. Yeah. And it's almost like a kind of trendy badge of honour that these wellness warriors are kind of sporting at the moment. Yeah. I think it's useful. I've worn one myself, if I'm being absolutely honest with you. Yeah. It's a really good insight into how your body reacts to certain foods, but it's just a snapshot. Yeah. Yeah. And if you've had a really poor night's sleep the night before, then yeah. it will, that will impact how you've exercised that day. Will impact. Yeah. So to be honest, you will always go back to baseline if you're, you know, not diabetic.
0: Yeah, but don't you think like this kind of way of is people want an answer and they want to know exactly, yes. and that's why everything's extremes now. Or you know, uh, we need to have a ratio for six to, and I need to be eating this amount. And people, I think because everything they lost control of like their life and and how they live the r- people want the right answers only the right answers the ca- it's black and white and yeah. they want control back and it's 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 kind of putting things into boxes and that's what they're doing with diet now it's like okay you can't eat Bread, yeah, you know that kind of way. Oh, you can't eat. It's so black and white, isn't it? Exactly, and it's like, well, actually, everything in moderation. What suits you, everything like that. Yeah, it's uh, funny the way it's gone.
1: Well, we want data, don't we? We want more and more and more. And actually, what's happening is we're not we're not getting the foundations right. Yeah. So you know, you just need to be having a balanced diet. And what you really, you know, it's about what you're eating the majority of the time what you eat on a single day or even a week or even a month in the grand scheme of you know the next 50 years of your life doesn't really matter it's those patterns that are the most important thing
0: yeah exactly so if you're overall general healthy like some people will see me if i'm teaching or something like that they'll see me like eat a whole pack of biscuits but like because I'll be go, you know, but it doesn't mean I'll eat a pack of biscuits every, every day. Every day, precisely. Or even, a, like, in, the, you know, I'll yes. do it once, every, but then I'll have my fish and, do you know, eat yes. healthily the other time. So everything is a bit, yeah. It's a drop in the ocean, yeah. honestly,
1: <laughs> yeah. And also, I think it's taking the joy, it's sucking the joy out of food. Yeah. And we have to remember that food isn't just fuel. It is about hanging out with your mates and,
0: you know, catching yeah. up with your girlfriends and, you know, kicking back and celebrating yeah exactly there was something else i saw on your instagram which i need to question you about Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the hot water and lemon thing <gasps> oh no <laughs> okay so i drink hot water and lemon every morning uh, it's not it's only because if i don't drink that i drink coffee yeah so first of all it's to stop me doing that to have some warm water in it as well but i have noticed the teeth thing have you yes has your dentist picked up on it no um i, I just noticed they're not as white as they were there's a, like a little bit of yeah, uh, so i was like oh um, um, and then i saw your post at the same time i was like damn it <laughs> it's a side yeah um so what is your take what well i think that post kind of summed it up but
1: it is i mean i i like it too it tastes it tastes yeah. nicer than water on its yeah. own for some people so if it helps you to drink more water great you know squeeze some lemon in there but I think what I was trying to get at was some people are like you know kind of giving it this godlike status that it kickstarts your digestion your digestion doesn't s- stop overnight otherwise yeah. you die you know it, it's <laughs> saying silly things like that yeah. and this kind of anti- Caffeine, and you must, you know, instead drink this hot water and lemon. It's like, no, not necessarily. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I I do like the taste of it, and it's actually from Mm. more having the flu and stuff that I got back into the habit of doing it. And I do like it in the morning, but I do, I have fallen for that alkalizing thing. Yes, that's another thing, isn't it? So, what's your view on this? Like, in general, really?
1: There's nothing in it whatsoever. Yeah, Yeah. And all the alkalizing. "Quote unquote" foods are, you know, fruit and veg, all the things that we should be eating.
0: Yeah, yeah, just eating healthier. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean,
1: on that line, so I think dairy often comes up as being acidic, doesn't okay. it? Okay, um, there's like lists, and it does. There's no kind of. Um, finite answers it depends who you talk to about what's acidic and what's alkaline i think because it's you know it's really a nonsense yeah but lots of people are saying that dairy is inflammatory and dairy is acidic and it's like it's not at all yeah you know it doesn't work for everyone yeah but i think we're we're really kind of we're we're losing touch with ourselves our own bodies because everyone is so bio individual and we are you know, people are trying to kind of make us buy this book or this yeah. diet or this yeah. programme, you know, this personalised programme uh, that involves, I don't know, a poo test and a CGM, you know, wearing a CGM yeah. and all of these things. But actually, the, the, the most brilliant way to kind of go into personalised nutrition is to talk, you know, l- really tune into your body. Yeah. And yeah. I think a lot of us, particularly women around perimenopause, we lose touch with our bodies actually yeah so i think you know we're overwhelmed and we're trying to look to for answers from other people whereas actually the answers are inside us all along that sounds yeah. a bit cheesy but yeah. it really is you know
0: a hundred like i agree a hundred million percent i cut out uh, like i've never had a problem with dairy i grew up on a farm you know like i've had milk straight from the cows but i cut it out not i just wanted to drink oat milk because it was sweeter And I've noticed between that and taking kefir, I don't get the same irritating bloatness. Yeah. So there was obviously something with gut, and especially because I was getting rosacea. But the kefir milk is so So
1: good. good. Well, and like 70% of us do have a lactose intolerance. Yeah. So by all means, you know, try it and take it out. And obviously, it has worked for you. It's interesting with the, you say kefir, uh, because um because it's fermented it, it breaks down lots of the lactose so lots of people who don't tolerate uh dairy very well can actually tolerate kefir or kefir yeah. really well
0: yeah okay so it's
1: interesting isn't it and it's so good for you yeah it's got yeah. all of those amazing yeah probiotics in it
0: yeah it really like i've noticed a difference in in gut and bloatedness, in my rosacea everything like it's really do really you make bloody. your own no. Can you make your own? Yeah.
1: With what? You buy the grains. Yeah. You can buy them online and then you literally just add it to milk.
0: Really? Yeah, that's all it is.
1: It's live grains yeah. in milk and then they kind of digest the, l- the lactose in the milk. And it okay. goes slightly sour, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Because it is expensive to buy. It's yeah. like two or three pounds for like two days worth. Because you can't l- drink it longer than three days.
1: Yeah. Start making it. Honestly, you it's so easy.
0: Okay. That's your (laughs) homework. (laughs) Let's uh, We'll we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so um, for you at the moment, you're doing a lot with menopause and everything like that and with nutrition and that. You brought out a book, and I started to have a glance through of of it, but I haven't had a read. It does look very interesting on it. What made you bring out the book? So it's called The Perimenopause
1: Solution, and like I say, that's the bit, that's the turbulent time that I think doesn't get talked about enough menopause you know is just the l- the last day of your last period ever but it's it's that kind of build up to it that i think we really need to educate women on yeah and that was the key that you know that was the reason for kind of pitching it in the first place um and also i wanted to get to women younger so that they didn't get to menopause and feel like they would you know they'd fallen off a cliff yeah and that those symptoms had kind of taken over their lives i really wanted to get to women much earlier so that they could be and I always say this but you know basically they could be prepared yeah. rather than scared yeah so they know what's coming
0: yeah no I'm scared yeah don't be scared
1: <laughs> honestly you're going to be fine Read the book. Yeah, um, You know, I think as well now, I mean, 10 years ago, it was very different. Yeah. I think now l- women are more educated. They're more empowered. They know what's going to happen or, yeah. or what might happen. Yeah, And it doesn't all have to be doom and gloom yeah. by any
0: stretch. Yeah. Isn't it what they say that it's what your mother's similar? It's yeah. 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 Uh, you know,
1: if you particularly if your mum had an early menopause, it yeah. might be genetic. And, you know, there might be some kind of correlation with you. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely worth asking her. But, I mean, my mum was like, menopause, huh, doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> because that generation just, you know, it yeah. was very hush-hush. Yeah. And I think we were all like, well, you were an absolute nightmare, actually, mum. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Looking back.
0: <laughs> I was fine through it. No, you weren't. It <laughs> <She> was hideous. <laughs> yeah. Have you spoken to your mum about hers? No. Um, no. I d- no. It's the same s- concept. It's like... Oh, I never even noticed well, we noticed, yeah. yeah, you know i don't I don't remember going through it, yeah, I, I it can was tell hideous. You when yeah, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it would be this I think it will be the same, it'll be um it it will be I'll have to reach the age and just kind of you will be fine, oh Lord, you will
1: know <laughs> you will know what to do, you've got lots of different options, yeah, you know, and I think lifestyle diet, obviously kind of you got that nailed in already yeah for my gen- so I'm 51 my generation were real cardio bunnies you know we yeah. were real we were really into aerobics and running and pounding pavements and things like that I think now women are much more tuned in to kind of you know not so high-octane type yeah. exercise they are they know a bit more about self-care yeah. they're more into yoga and Pilates Hopefully, they are strength training, so building yeah. muscle. I think that's super important, really. Yeah, I wh- really what do. Wh- how well, I think for body composition, it's, yeah. it's, ma- it's massive, yeah. And I think that's why a lot of women who do a lot of cardio suddenly find it's just not working for them anymore,
0: yeah. Okay, okay. So, okay. basically,
1: the more muscle lean muscle you've got, you know, you're more of a kind of fat burning machine, yeah, to a degree, you yeah, know, it's not massive, yeah, but it, it certainly helps. And I also think. You know, lots of women will say they feel really invisible and yeah. they're kind of almost... Um, shrink. Shrink into themselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in lots of different ways. Yeah. Um, and I think, take you know, making... Building muscle and kind of feeling a lot more strong, mm. it, it almost helps them to take up space.
0: Yeah. Mentally and physically. Yeah. And confident-wise, because yes. when you feel better about yourself, you take up more space.
1: Yes, you stand up. You know, yeah. you look people in the eye. You... You're you're not so concerned about the wrinkles and the, you know, the the kind of other aesthetic
0: type of things that are happening. Yeah. And so with your clients that you've been speaking to in that, um, have you come across or have you seen good, bad in between or what your thoughts are on bioidentical hormones versus body? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I am a member of the British
1: Menopause Society Mm -hmm. and I work uh, so I refer my clients, if they want to talk to a menopause doctor, yeah. obviously I refer them to a GP, but if they want to talk to a specialist, I will um, refer them to a private doctor. And so we only deal with body okay. identical. Okay. So, you know, ones that you are prescribed yeah. via the GP. Okay, okay, okay. Because they are, um, what's the word? They are scrutinised, f- you yeah. know, the dose is all totally above yeah. board. Whereas with... Bioidenticals, it's not always the way and yeah. they are compounded. You don't necessarily know what's in them, okay. uh, you know, with the dose. It can differ from yeah. dose to dose. Whereas, you know, you get a patch from your GP, you know exactly what's in
0: it. OK, OK, cool. And so your future projects, what's what are you building towards? So I have just launched a, um,
1: a community, a menopause community called the M Collective. Um, It's about two months old, but it is really thriving already. So I'm kind of, I'm spending a lot of time on there, um, talking to my women. um, We do lots of masterclasses. I get guest speakers in. Yeah. You you could come and talk about skin. (laughs) Um, Yeah. 'Cause it's such a hot topic, you know. Yeah. Women are worried about their looks and their, you know, the, the changes
0: that they're seeing. Yeah, well obviously because there's such pressure on them nowadays. Yeah. Like there's such pressure. You know, if you if you talk about you're suddenly because it turns. You wake up one morning and suddenly there's more lines there that it doesn't like gradually <laughs> no. happen. There is a fright. Yeah. And it's and then you're getting compared to people who are like, you know, younger, plumper, firmer, all that kind of stuff. And it is it is scary like yeah. I I know appearance is superficial in some people's eyes, but appearance is also th- socially more acceptable. And, like, it's terrible, but that's the way the world is. People look at you and judge you on your appearance. Mm. And it's, it's like how you feel about yourself. Like, being in this industry, I really... The clients that come in to me that are, like, feeling really bad about themselves and maybe you know the husband had an affair or you know something yeah. like that and if i can make them feel better by doing skin treatments and stuff like that that's what it's about yeah and like uh, d- i do notice there is that 45 up where you're just like oh god help me because it's this I- the world isn't so nice out there and yeah. i need to feel better about yeah. myself and i think if you can why not
1: there is nothing wrong I'm all for it do whatever is available to you that you want to do yeah and there is nothing wrong with wanting to look good look radiant you know look healthy yeah my god fake
0: but (laughs)
1: no although I know lots of people that are going down that route but yeah yeah you don't have
0: to we see the thing is is so I've had everything done everything done everything i know don't look at me like that i swear to god i've had I'm like, every, like anything, single <laughs> every single every single center of my face has some sort of fillers or botox in it at some stage in my life i've tried everything i've done all the laser surfacing fractional radio frequencies everything the key is is you just don't go crazy yeah. and you do it for the reason like okay so m- R- me uh, getting rid of lines, yes, amazing, and also research and like trying out stuff. But if you're doing it because you're not happy within yourself, you'll fix that area. And then you'll go on to another area. Yeah. And then you'll go on to another area. And this is how you end up looking fake. Yeah. Like really, really. You not really stop. Exactly. Because y- you're trying to fix something that's internal, not physical. And I think the biggest things with Botox and fillers is you can have them really well done, really nicely. Good doctor, good nurse, you know, like definitely they can be done well. But if you're if it's inner confidence, you need to go to a therapist. Yeah. You need to help inside because it's not it's just going to end up worse on the outside
1: yeah but off to flip that on its head i know lots of women who have and i'm including myself in this you know a smattering of botox a bit of you know some procedures here and there and actually it it does it gives them a little pep oh yeah oh yeah
0: it's brilliant i'm all for it but botox is amazing yes It it is yeah it's it's just that thing of like you know to give yourself a boost not to fix a problem you know, like internally, that's where it kind of goes crazy. But yeah, I I absolutely love skin boosters. Amazing, Hydra, like they're like fillers but thinner, th- smaller like molecular. Like Profilo, like Profilo, but Profilo will be five points. I get Profilo. Profilo is amazing. But like, um, some skin boosters are basically ev- all over the face oh like aqua gold kind of thing kind of yeah so it, it there's loads of different brands yeah, that d- okay. do it and it's even smaller molecular size than profilo and it just gives hydr the glow to the yes. face that is amazing fillers on cheeks amazing like yeah. love it to lift up the face because this is i was in a conference years ago 2013 So I would have been 10 years younger than I am now. And I was sitting with a couple of doctors and dermatologists and I was being like a model because one of them were stuck. And one of the doctor was like, see where the fat is starting to fall from underneath her eyes. (laughs) And I was sitting there. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much for that. So like there all of these little things, it's just. Have doing them for the right reason. Everything in moderation. You know, understanding what each treatment is f- and why is y- it, it's well so and going important. to someone bloody good. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And someone, you can have an injector that will inject really well, but if they don't understand your face, yeah, or they have an idea about how your face should look like, then it can go wrong. So you might have some injectors that actually they'll every single face will look the same and you'll see it on Harley Street where like they're coming out with the same face. It's because the injector has this idea of what a face should look like instead of enhancing your features. So that that's a key thing as well. Uh, Like the person I use, she is okay. This is your feature. This is where you're starting to drop. This is where we'll start to pick up a little bit more instead of going All six points should be like treated. And you kind of mark them with a template. (laughs) It doesn't work, does it? No, like you you do. It has to be individual and it has to be someone with. It's like someone into art. They're into like looking at your face and going, how can I improve that without changing your face?
1: And r- and who knows you? I think you build up a relationship, yeah. don't you? Which is why I think it's helpful to go to the same person. Obviously, oh definitely, you know, rather than going yeah. shopping around. Yeah, and they see
0: how your face moves exactly, and, and they know you. And also as well as they will tell you you've had enough now. <laughs> yes, because if you don't, if <laughs> you don't, do, yeah, if you don't have that, you can really go I down slippery. I remember we had a nurse that worked for me in the Dublin clinic years ago. And she was saying, We went to ACE conference in, um, this was a long time ago. And she was saying, Oh, you know, people, everybody there, their faces are absolutely plastic. And um, I was like, So she was getting injected in her lips by a doctor and she didn't realise. Because you don't, you can't, she's an injector. She recognizes other people going too much. But at the exact same time, she was going, I just need a little bit more on my lips. And they were becoming terrible. And the reason why is you look at your face every day. You get used to it. Yeah. You don't see the out of proportion because you're used to it. So you need someone from an outside perspective to go, that's enough. Calm Stop down, now, love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, yeah. Um so yeah, so th- you you we went off topic. You're M collective. M collective. <laughs> so yes, I have
1: guest speakers coming on, uh master classes. We do it we basically I approach a different topic each month. And I've tried to do it so because I know lots of women are really overwhelmed by content and information. So I've just tried to distill it all down into just the stuff that works. Yeah. Women just want results. Yeah like with the Botox they yeah. just want somebody who can do it well and do it in the as shortest as time as, as possible yeah and so that's what it's all about and then added to that within the same platform is a community because I think for a long time that's the bit of the menopause puzzle that has been missing you know women want to talk to other women who get it, yeah. who get them, who understand what they're going through, yeah. um, who can be supportive and just listen and, and kind of swap stories without, yeah. you know, scaremongering each other.
0: Amazing. And they, they are able to talk to each other and then you put in on a regular basis some yeah. facts, some information, some... Yeah. Exactly right. that. I do a live q and a,
1: I'm in the community all the time, so yeah. if there's any questions... Yeah. yeah, it's going really well, actually. Yeah,
0: it's a really good idea because... I do feel there is that still like I'm lost with menopause like I don't know which way to treat or um, you know what to go with it and having because otherwise you first you have to either go to GP. Um, and or go find a person and then make a consultation. You have to find someone and then see Takes if it's a long time. Exactly. Whereas if you just have a community, you can dip into and get other people's feedback as well. Yeah, that's a really good. And it's all evidence based. I only have. There's no woo woo. Yeah. there's No pseudoscience. Yeah.
1: I only have practitioners on there who are the real deal. And yeah. I have a menopause doctor coming starting from June. You know, every month she's going to do an open clinic. Because brilliant. I think there's a lot of women who are on HRT and they're like, Christ, you know, I've got all these weird side effects happening and my GP's not helping me.
0: Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Well, no, that's really good. Really good. Um, yeah, so I um I the reason why I was saying it was or asking you in was because we have as therapists we have to treat a lot of people with menopausal skin. And menopausal skin has a lot of side effects like premenopausal. it's mm. not even menopause like you say you start getting the symptoms so your skin starts getting drier your collagen starts breaking down and everything so i wanted to get your side of how we can help with menopause you know like with clients coming in suggestions of helping them you know if you like you said exercising better sleep that kind of stuff okay Um, In terms of skin, you mean, specifically?
1: Yeah, yeah, so I think a balanced diet, protein. Mm. I see a lot of women who, because they are seeing body changes, they are on very restrictive, very fatty kind of diets. They're taking out carbs, they're taking out gluten, they're taking out dairy, and suddenly they're like, you know, they're they're kind of subsisting on not very much at all. Yeah. And it shows in your face, you know, your cells... Need carbs mm. to turn over. They need the fats because of the membranes, you know, around yeah. each skin cell. They need um, what's the other one? Protein. You need protein to actually. P- it's the building block, isn't yeah. it, of, of every cell in your body? So I think eating enough is really important. Yeah. Eating the right kind of things.
0: Yeah.
1: Avoiding alcohol. It's the obvious stuff. Yeah. But you know, alcohol. I mean, it's terrible for things like acne and rosacea. It's very inflammatory. Yeah. Terrible yeah. for sleep. Um. I think as well because women quite often are very, you know, they're really tired, they're really fatigued. Yeah. They are turning to the wrong kind of food, so lots of kind of high Credits. sugar, yeah. yep, snacks, um, and you know the kind of advanced like glycation, glycation end yeah. products that come with that, with that kind of permanently um, high. Blood glucose levels, yeah, that also is exacerbated
0: by things like alcohol. That doesn't no. help either. I know, it's such a pity, alcohol is it's so such bad. a bore, isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> so, is it gin and tonic or vodka tonic or vodka soda isn't as bad as wine? Well, <laughs> it, it yeah, there's is is definitely something in that, yeah. And actually, this relates to skin
1: too. There's a real propensity for women around this time to become quite histamine intolerant. So they get Mm -hmm. quite itchy skin and suddenly it's really sensitive and they've got these rashes and stuff that they never had before. Yeah. Um, And wine is very high in histamine, particularly white wine. Okay. I think white and red, actually. Um, Whereas uh, vodka and and gin spirits tend to be tolerated a bit better.
0: So why are they getting more histamine intolerant? Because I actually, I have someone who works for me who's dealing with that at the moment. Yeah, like really, and doesn't drink. Has like um, absolute no dairy because yeah, she's lactose and and but gets rashes once every couple of months. Full body. OK, hides.
1: so it's very it's related to estrogen. So the spikes mm. in estrogen, which can be not just in perimenopause, but it can be throughout, uh, you know, obviously a woman's normal pre when she's pre um premenopausal yeah you're cycling all the time regularly aren't you so when your estrogen levels are high it actually can trigger histamine release and then weirdly histamine triggers estrogen so it's like this kind of double whammy okay so when in perimenopause quite often your estrogen spikes really high that can be a time when women will start to notice that you know there's lots of changes and it's not just in skin it's things like headaches gut issues runny
0: nose you know kind of almost like allergy type symptoms Okay that's really interesting I didn't know about the estrogen histamine link yeah. that's very interesting And as we get older we
1: kind of get less tolerant anyway Yeah um but yeah the estrogen definitely plays a part and lots of foods have est- uh, have histamine in them Yeah So things like the stuff that we tell women to eat so fermented foods you know yeah. citrus fruits yeah. spinach avocados all the good stuff but also alcohol beer <laughs> Cheese, dairy, things like that, vinegar. Uh, So you know you have to find out what is your trigger. So usually keeping a food diary can be really helpful. Yeah. Taking a quercetin supplement or a five hundred milligrams of vitamin C twice a day because that's a natural antihistamine. Okay. Yeah. And quercetin is actually like a histamine acts like a histamine blocker. Quercetin. Yes. It's just a supplement.
0: Okay. Okay amazing this is so much information it's great (laughs) thank you so much for all of that I'm sure everyone will be delighted with it thank you so much for coming Emma it's lovely to chat to you thanks (laughs)